Welcome to Short Stories, a new Brisbane Writers Group podcast and community radio series produced in Brisbane, Australia, showcasing a selection of short stories written and read as an audiobook by a group of talented writers from this city. In this episode, we feature the literary work of Connor Doig, a young Brisbane-based writer with a big future. Hi, my name is Connor Doig. I've only been writing for a couple of years and have an interest in the melancholy and the macabre. I enjoy writing about anything and everything, although my passion lies with those things that go bump in the night. I've had two short stories published in Brisbane's Gulp magazine, and I'm currently finishing my first fantasy novel. This short story is called Gospel Grove. I don't know what you may have heard of me, but I can tell you right now, it's most likely lies. Completely unfounded accusations, a crock of bullshit concocted by some balding nitwit on the news who's just shit-stirring with the rest. And if you've heard of me, you've probably heard of a fella by the name of Mitch Douglas. Yeah, that one. Recently deceased best-selling author of Gospel Grove. Do you know it? If you don't, do yourself a favour and go down to your local bookstore or library or wherever the hell else you buy books nowadays and get yourself a copy. Sit your ass down, open up the first page, and I'll guarantee that 12 hours later, you'll find yourself at the other end of the book, hungry, tired, and asking yourself what just happened. It's bloody good, so unputdownable it's pretty much a time machine that solely transports you a day into the future. I know, because I'm the one that wrote it. Well, I didn't write it exactly, not word for word, but it's my idea. Everything in that book is my intellectual property. The part about Josephine and Andrea finding the body on the anniversary of their mother's death. Probably the best idea I've ever come up with. I mean, I'm not one to toot my own horn, but toot toot. But it's not how I expected it to be. Gospel Grove tore Mitch and me apart. Landed me in my current sticky predicament. Do I regret what happened? Of course. If I could go back and change anything, would I? Yes. Do I deserve to be treated like a criminal? Well, I'll let you decide. But you'll need to know the truth. You see, there wasn't always bad blood. Things were pretty brilliant between me and Mitch for most of our lives, actually. We met at school when we were 12, although we weren't the best of mates to start up with. After school, we kept in touch, and we became close in uni. I was doing an arts degree, majoring in creative writing. Just about as useless as you can get, right? Mitch took the high road, engineering. His family was so proud of him. Even so, Mitch seemed more interested in writing than engineering. I think that's how we became such good friends. He asked just about everything I was doing, even the dull stuff like dialogue structure and narrative momentum. He ate it all up especially when I talked about my own projects. Fed right into my ego there. I would talk at him for hours about all these little ideas I had, no matter how insane or obscene. And he would eagerly listen, asking just the right questions. It wasn't until much later that I realised those questions would cost me. Anyway, time passed. We both graduated, somehow. Lent on each other for support, I suppose. 
Mitch used his degree to get a grad job at some fancy company in one of those high-rises in the city. I used my degree to get a job at the newsagent, selling lotto tickets in five-hour shifts. That was about the time Gospel Grove started. Naturally, I shared every detail of its progression with Mitch. No one else understood like he did. If I tried to talk about it with my other friends, they lost interest within the first five minutes. Sure, they might nod and smile politely for as long as I made them, but there was always a certain flatness in their eyes, a lack of curiosity that made it obvious they didn't understand or care. Mitch cared. He always did. Our phone calls were almost daily when I was in the thick of it. He was good at challenging my ideas, sifting through them for the proper gold nuggets. I didn't start writing, of course. It was much too early on for that. I was still in the planning phase, building everything up in my head so that by the time I properly started, I'd be able to smash it out without all the fuss of second and third drafts, or having to rewrite. I was in my second year at the newsagent, working on a little short story for a competition when I found out. I just came home one day and found it lying on my doorstep, in all 436 pages of its glory. Gospel Grove. Mitch didn't even leave a note. As I said, that book is a time machine. I plopped down on my bed, read the first couple of lines, and ten hours later, dislodged my face from the book in time to watch the sunrise. I can't even begin to describe the whirlwind of emotions I felt. Stunned. Elated. Furious. Shattered. The last three years' worth of my creative energy had been laid out in front of me, in the words of someone else. The audacity was near incomprehensible. I don't remember how I got to Mitch's, or how long I waited for him to come home. Mr. Big Shot was a 9-to-5 working man, after all. I'd have sat out the front of his place with the book curled tight in my hands, waiting, watching, seething. The sun hadn't quite set by the time Mitch arrived. He walked home from the train station down the road. I knew because that's when we usually called. He came strutting up in his RMs and floral long sleeve shirt, briefcase in hand. Pretentious prick. He didn't even look at me as he approached. A dedication? I snarled as he unlocked the front door. You steal my life's work and you have the nerve to dedicate it to me? Mitch stepped inside with that reply, and I followed hot on his heels. He didn't turn around or acknowledge me in any way, so I threw the book at him. It bounced off his shoulder and fell uselessly to the ground. When he finally faced me, there was a sneer on his face. I knew you react this way. Typical of someone who hasn't matured since middle school. I slammed the door shut behind me. How the hell did you expect me to react? You stole my book. Did you even read it? Sure, it borrows some of the same basic concepts, but it's a completely different story to yours. Mitch rolled his eyes and dropped his briefcase. Don't act like you didn't see this coming. How many conversations have we had about story ideas? Fifty? A hundred? Yeah, my ideas. Mitch thumped his chest. They're my stories too. I contributed equally to our talks. Where do yours begin and mine end? He picked up the crumpled book and dusted it off. You can't be mad just because I did something with them. 
I snatched the book off him and threw it again over his shoulder. It landed somewhere near the kitchen. He shook his head and retreated further into the house. Don't blame me for using our shared ideas. We could have gone in together if you wanted. How many times did I offer to collaborate? That's exactly the point. They weren't shared. They were my ideas. And what is that crap about collaboration I never agreed to? Yeah, he called over his shoulder. Just like you never agreed to actually use your degree to write something longer than 20 pages. My cheeks burnt from the rush of blood and bitterness and betrayal. I pointed a finger at his back. I'll sue you. That got his attention. He paused just inside the kitchen and faced me again. On what grounds? You don't have anything written down. There's no evidence it belongs to you any more than it does to me. I moved towards Mitch, intent on picking up the copy of Gospel Grove, so I could point out a scene I knew he had stolen from me verbatim. Panic flashed in his eyes. He must have thought I was coming at him. He took a step back, his left foot on the open cover of the book. One more step, and the pages of the open book slid against the carpet, tearing under his foot, and he slipped. Over the course of a few short moments, he fell backwards, hit his head on the corner of the kitchen counter, and bled all over his nice, slate-grey carpet. I didn't push him. I swear to God I didn't. I know they all said I did, but I didn't. As much as I might have hated him, I would never hurt him intentionally, not even in the heat of the moment. The rest, I'm sure you already know. Gospel Grove went on to become a bestseller. No surprise there. Mitch's untimely death didn't hurt book sales either. The press made me out to be some kind of aimless lowlife, leeching off the kindness of his friends. No one believed that I was innocent. I guess on some level, I don't believe I am either. I'm probably guilty of a lot of things. Being a bad friend, a bad writer, never applying myself in the way I should have. But, believe what you will, murder is not one of them. I know it won't help me at all, but I needed someone to know. I needed you to know. If I could ask one last thing. Whenever you see a copy of Gospel Grove, remember who the true author is. Whenever you hear my name, think of how I was betrayed and lied to. And remember, no matter how long you've known a person, you never know what their true intentions are. This has been a short story written and read by Connor Doig for the Brisbane Writers Group podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to this new podcast called Short Stories from a group of talented Brisbane writers. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a story or the next episode. Search for more short stories on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more information on our writers, head to our website, brisbanewritersgrouppodcast.com.au and click on the Writers Contact page. Short Stories from the Brisbane Writers Group Podcast is a Brisbane Podcasting Centre production supported by Brisbane City Council, the Queensland Government and the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening.